Hi, and welcome to this week's Physics Buzz podcast. I'm Mike Lucibella. There's something unusual orbiting Eta Corvi, a star located 60 light years away in the constellation Corvus the Crow. The star is a ring of dust surrounding it, and that alone isn't all that abnormal, but astronomers say the dust nearest the star looks like it came from the furthest reaches of the dust cloud, a region in our solar system called the Kuiper Belt. What's really exciting is that this dust may be hinting at a planet that might be able to sustain life. But first, we'll need some background. I spoke with Carrie Liss, an astronomer at John Hopkins University. What, what is a Kuiper Belt object? A Kuiper Belt object is um, an icy body, made, a body made of ice and rock that, that formed at the edge of our solar system. Um, our s- planets all formed from a disk that was spinning around the, the very young sun. And at the very edges of that disk, there wasn't enough matter to make another planet. But there was enough matter to condense and make um, icy, rocky bodies um, that are the parents of our comets, some of our comets that we see today, and also of uh, larger bodies like Pluto. You found evidence that there's a Kuiper belt around uh, Eta Corvi. What's so unusual about the dust signatures that you found there? Well, finding a Kuiper belt around a star isn't particularly unusual. 30 to 40 percent of stars seem to have Kuiper belts now that we see. So that's common. What we found was that there was also looked like there was dust from this Kuiper belt was at about 3 AU, or three times the uh, distance between the Earth and the Sun, um, right near the star. And so what that meant was that some of these Kuiper belt objects had actually wandered down or been thrown into the inner system. And the ice and water and rock and organics that are in the, these primitive material that was in these Kuiper belt objects was also in the inside, the interior of the system where they don't belong, where we don't find them. How can you tell they don't belong? Like, how do you know that they belong farther out versus farther in? I mean, isn't it just dust? Um, it's much more than dust. We, um, if you look at, uh, in our system, what we have in close, in our asteroid belt, is mainly rock. Uh, that would be the, w- the most common ro- asteroid we have is what's called an S-type asteroid, which is basically rock with a little bit of metal thrown in. The second most common is called a C-type asteroid, which is rock with a little bit of carbon, but no water, not, not, no ice. And what we're seeing here is very, very different from either an S-type or a C-type asteroid, a stony rich or a carbon rich asteroid. And we're seeing definitely something that looks like it was a giant comet or a Kuiper Belt object that was thrown into the system. I should also say it could be bodies. We don't know. How is it you're able to tell that? Like, what do you, what do you see and what is, how can you extrapolate that? What we're doing is looking for the light signatures. We're doing infrared spectroscopy, and we're looking for the signatures of materials like rock or like water ice, or ammonia ice, or carbon dioxide ice, or water gas, or carbon dioxide gas. We're looking for um, fool's gold, metal sulfides. We can see those too. We can see carbonates like chalk. Um, We can see these polyaromatic hydrocarbons I mentioned. So we're looking for those different light signatures. And as you asked early on when you told me, how can I tell it's not an asteroid? We know pretty well what the inventory of materials is in a rocky asteroid versus a carbon-rich asteroid versus a cometary body from deep impact experiment, for example, where we put a hole in a comet and shot material out, and we watched it with the same Spitzer infrared space telescope and got a spectrum of it. So we know the, sort of the inventory of chemicals, the asteroid. We know from stardust what, star, what, what those uh, rocky materials look like in a comet. We have meteorites, and so people have ground meteorites. So we know what kind of stuff makes up comets, and we know from looking at these spectral signatures around Eta Corvi that this kind of material is abnormally close to the star only about three astronomical units away, or about 280 million miles. But that's not the only thing that's there. We think that there's a rock, there's definitely a rocky body also at 3 AU. We can can eliminate a gas giant, something like a Jupiter or Saturn. If you hit it with a Kuiper belt object or a comet, it'll just go 
I don't know how you're going to spell that. Um, but basically, it would absorb it, and it, there would be no ejector. There would be no icy dust scattered all over the inner system for us to see. Uh, a rocky body, on the other hand, would get hit and would absorb some material. Like I said, some of the water and organics will go to, on its surface, but the rest will splash back out, and we'll see it. So we know there's a rocky body. We're, because we know how much mass of dust there is, there's at least um, a medium-sized Kuiper Belt object, so something a bit smaller than Pluto. In order for that to actually get scattered, it has to hit something but it's as big as it is or larger. So the rocky body that we're thinking is at 3 AU, is at least the size of Ceres, the largest asteroid we have in a, in a dwarf world itself, up to maybe Earth-sized. Uh, just as a side note, an astronomical unit is equal to the distance from the Earth to the Sun. Uh, I should point out that the place that we're seeing this dust is that, uh, the three times the distance between the Earth and the Sun is where you would put an Earth in the system in order to have Earth-like uh, temperatures. The star is much hotter than ours. So you have to back away from it in order to have liquid water and nice balmy breezes. And 3AU, three astronomical units, is about the right place. What we're seeing, if you will, is a, in large scale, is the delivery of water and organics from a Kuiper belt to a body at 3U, so in what we call the terrestrial habitability zone. So the place where life would be very happy to live. And so it could have been that we, we, we found dust at 5AU or 10AU, you know, where it's way too cold or way too, or, you know, or where Venus and Mercury, but we got lucky in the system. Is that really even possible? It sounds pretty fantastic that comets from the furthest reaches of the solar system could deliver liquid water and other building blocks of life. But believe it or not, you don't have to look too far to find another planet where that probably happened. Everybody has the, imagine, the idea that the Earth formed as a glowing, molten, rocky ball. That's perfectly correct. If you just figure out the simple amount of energy it takes to assemble the Earth, the gravitational energy, it's 10 times the energy it takes to melt it. So the Earth was a glowing, molten, magma ocean-covered ball for many, many millions of years. And in that time, you would have removed all water, evaporated all water, all organics, all the things that we know of on the surface today that would be useful, for life uses, in order to um, make more life. And so you need to bring that after the Earth has cooled, after that magma ocean has cooled and the rock has solidified, you need to bring that back to the Earth somehow. And we think most likely what happened was that Kuiper Belt objects and comets hit the Earth about 600 to 800 million years after the beginning of the solar system and covered it with water and organics, and then life came from that. Well, I guess that brings me to my next question. Is what's, what's kind of the next stage for research? Where, where do you go from here? Um, because we, we, we've just been presenting this result this week, we've got, I've been getting repetitively getting two or three very good questions. One of the questions is, uh, how do we go look for planets? So let's, one of the things we're going to do is look for planets. Another is, was it one big Kuiper Belt body, or was it a lot of little ones? Was it a rain of uh, comets, and is it still going on? Or was it one big body, and this happens just every now and then in even our system? And the third thing I think we would like to do is actually learn more, go back and look at this system in great detail, and get a better spectra of that dust, and try to figure out exactly what's in it and see what the biomolecules are. See, see, we think it's nanodiamonds, and I mentioned these polyaromatic hydrocarbons. Is there also ethane and methane and ammonia and methanol and formaldehyde and all the other things that we see in comets and that we know, and, and acetylene and ammonia, all the things that also go to making life. Who knew that watching something as seemingly benign as space dust might be one of the best tip-offs yet for finding life around a neighboring star? That's all for this week's Physics Buzz podcast. You can find more of our podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and much, much more at www.physicscentral.com. Thanks for listening.